Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, Puviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a fantastic episode for you today with a wonderful guest, German violinist Johanna Rohrig joins the show. We're back after a short break, did some traveling, and we're currently live in Philadelphia. Currently in Philadelphia, one of my favorite cities on the East Coast, and battling a heavy bout of allergies, so so I might sound a bit different today. A little more of a gravelly voice, but still thrilled to welcome on Johanna. Johanna attended the Royal Academy of Music in London, and since then has performed at some remarkable halls and theaters all around the world. She began playing the, the violin at the age of six, and in addition to her many performances, she has several years of violin teaching experience as well. On today's episode, Yana chats about the early years with the violin and, and how it was an instrument carousel that first introduced the violin to her life. Yana also chats about her work and life balance and how over the last year that has changed. Finally, Yana reflects on some of the most memorable shows she's been a part of. Really, really loved me talk with Yana. Brilliant performer, and I think you're going to love her. Elated to bring her on, so let's go ahead and welcome... German violinist Johanna Rohrig, and let's learn. always start with the violin and, and do you remember those early years i i do actually remember those years yes but um my very first musical experiences they actually happened and i sort of um pre preschool music group so i'd be like three four years old and i was like a group of kids let's say like 10 to 15 kids something like that and we would just meet once a week and do things like singing clapping dancing just to to get used to music rhythm singing like there was like no pressure involved so all that we did literally was to have fun and move with the music get used to moving our bodies to music to different sorts of rhythm and i think i did that for about three years and then um, when i was six years old i was sent to a local music school by my parents and that school would offer all sorts of instruments like you could learn everything there from piano to double bass to flute just everything and then i ran through a course that is called 
well, in German, it was called Instrumentenkarussell, and you might freely translate that to English, something like instrument carousel, whatever. So you would get a different instrument every week. So one week I took home the cello, the next week I took home the double bass, then I took home the, I don't know, I, I had about every instrument at home. But um, violin was the very first one I took home, and then it was the last one that I decided for in the end as well. And I don't know, it was just sort of clear. Like when I came home with that first instrument, that was the violin, my mom would always tell me, like when I was growing up already, she'd always tell me, yeah, and you came home with a violin and you, you, um, you sat down on the floor and opened the case in front of the garbage outside in the garden. And you'd be like, mom, look, I have a violin. And um, yeah, so I was very excited about it for whatever reason. And then um, I didn't even question it that I'd stick with it. And then um, the local music school, that school that I did the course at, they didn't have a free place to teach me. So I started learning with a private teacher, which looking back was like the best thing that could ever happened to me because she was so amazing. I, I just met her two weeks ago again like I'm still in contact with her with that very first um, teacher because now she she contacted me and she was like listen I don't think I'm going to be around much longer and she wanted to give me like a pay level gift which oh. is actually really sad but yeah first of all I love instrument carousel that's fascinating to me your first teacher's name well back then um, I had to say mrs krause to her but now we're just like on a first name basis so i call her waltraut which was her name and she gifted me um a ring with with a a little pearl that belonged to her great-grandmother like from mid-19th century and um yeah she was an extraordinary woman and artist and oh. I owe a lot to her, yes. I love that, and I love that you guys stayed in contact. Who were some of your earliest musical influences at the time when you were growing up? Was there anyone that you aspired to be or anyone you modeled your work after? Well, no, not really, I have to say. I think that was like, there was a very short period where teachers would tell me, listen, there is not enough expression in your playing, and then I'd go to YouTube and try to copy others playing. But then at some point, I think when I was around 16 or 17, something just clicked. And then I knew how I wanted to play things. And it was like that all of a sudden I had just understood how I wanted things to be. And then um, from that point on, I always just tried to model my playing after my inside imagination of it and that's also what i do all my technique and practice for it's like the music is there already but i need to bring it out and that i need to practice for what about mentally for a performance now how do you get yourself in the right frame of mind to perform in front of large groups um i'd say the most important point is adequate preparation that means practice that means I need to have enough time to practice the piece. That means starting early enough, like 
depending on the piece, a few weeks or a few days or a few months ahead. And then um, on the day itself, I run through a sort of routine, you could say, as well, which consists of going to bed early the night before, getting a good night's rest, then starting the day without any appointments or meetings and just doing some light practice, running through the repertoire again, then having a light lunch, taking a nap, traveling to the venue with enough time. And then at the venue, um, just having a, a quick sound check and then just relaxing in the green room in the backstage area that I get, um, changing into the concert dress, doing my makeup, and then I'd say maybe like half an hour before I always do a short meditation as well, just to, it's a specific, it's a specific breathing exercise that is designed to get the oxygen out of your blood because you tend to have too much oxygen in your blood when you're nervous. So that breathing exercise actually works in a way that you breathe out more than you breathe in. And so it lowers your heart rate and the oxygen and everything. Meditation and breath work, is that just reserved for a performance or you do that during the week as well? Well, in a perfect world, it wouldn't be. But as it is for right now, I'm mostly just limiting it to concert days. Yes. Yeah. You briefly mentioned about with the oxygen in the blood about nerves. So have nerves stay the same for you? Do you still get excited and anxious before a performance or is that leveled out over time? Well, I'd say over time, you just get more secure of what you're actually capable of. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I still get, I wouldn't say anxious or nervous. I get excited in a positive way. So I'm looking forward to a performance. And, but you, you do get a routine of playing and performing in front of people. And yeah, it, it, it gets easier over time, I'd say. You attended the Royal Academy of Music. What went into the decision to study there? And then when you look back, what are some of the favorite memories that, that stand out? Well, I, I applied for an Erasmus term. That was, I think, four or five years back. And then I intentionally only planned on staying for about three months. And then three months turned into a year. And then I just I auditioned for the master's degree, got a scholarship, and then I just stayed for three more years and yeah so it wasn't really it wasn't really planned out planned ahead a long time ago but um it just happened and then um yeah but i did really enjoy studying there and the favorite memories right so um i really liked how they seem to take care of us so us as students they've really looked after us there was psychologists, there was movement groups. They just really took care of us. They helped us find flats, find places to stay, find doctors, just with like life stuff. They really supported us. Something that would surprise me about the physical aspects of being a violinist from, from posture or anything that goes on during a performance. Is there anything that, um, that stands out? Um... I'd say what is often underrated is that playing any instrument, just about any instrument, is a very physically demanding activity. Mm-hmm. And the only difference from us musicians to a professional athlete, for example, 
is that they have like professional athletes have a whole team of people supporting them without around them. That means um, physiotherapists, mental coaches, people that cook for them, people that make sure their medical support is right, whatever. And we as musicians, we don't really have that. Like obviously there's some people, some groups at uni, for example, that are slowly starting to take place where you're being informed about the physical side of things and the psychology, the, the psychological and the mental side of things, because like playing concerts can be very mentally pressuring as well. And yeah, but normally we're not being seen as yeah. something like a professional athlete, not by society as well, obviously. And I think that's surprising because like we sometimes we, we play our instruments up to i don't know seven eight nine hours a day yeah. there's lots of stress involved with performing traveling practicing and so on and i think people don't really know people mostly assume oh my goodness you have such a talent they don't really see that what we do comes from years of discipline and hard work with a life spent in music, are there certain performances or certain works that still get you excited to hear? Um, I love the Beethoven Violin Concerto, for example, because it's just such a wonderful um, collaboration, really, you could say, between the violin and the orchestra. So, so it's all connected and intertwined, and it's just. It's, it's beautiful because violin and orchestra, um, they change parts all the time. For example, at some point, the violin is the solo part and then the violin goes on to accompany the orchestra. And I, I like that very much. And another piece that I really like is the Chacon by Bach, mm -hmm. which has been, I don't know, played so many times. Everyone knows it. Everyone plays it. Everyone's practiced it. Everyone's everyone loves it uh, and yeah that's one of those pieces as well i'm actually working on a project which has this chacon by bach as a centerpiece so to say and then me and the group we're like we're forming a whole new program around that piece so it's that piece in the in the center of it that everyone knows but we're doing it in a completely new way and yeah, these are two pieces. But mostly, I'm not that bound to certain pieces. I just like playing. What makes for a memorable show? Because I know if you play it night after night, sometimes they might blur, and you might, it might be hard to remember a specific night. I know there's probably emotional aspects of it. What makes for a memorable show? Um, I think there's certain aspects that can really make an evening into a special one. Um, for example, the sheer size of it sheer size of the event meaning how many thousands of people are in the hall how big is the stage what kind of orchestra are you playing with but um other things as well for example i once played a private concert and i didn't want people to just look at me because they so often do because people just look at women wearing concert girls they just like to look at them so i was like you people you don't look at me you listen to my music so i switched off the lights and that was a very 
memorable experience as well. And everyone, everyone gave me the feedback afterwards how special that was too. Because everyone was forced. They weren't forced. I forced them to listen and not to just watch. Yeah. And that was, um, that was a great night. Did you feel different emotionally? Yeah, because everything sort of seemed way more intense. Because that was really just the music in the room. And I knew that everyone was listening to me yeah. way more intensely as well. Yeah. And that was, that was special. Music has taken you all around the world to many amazing concert halls. As you look back on your career thus far, which are the performances that make you the most proud? Um, there was a tour in Spain that I played two years ago, which I'm actually playing in August again. So I'm very much looking forward to that. That was, I think, four or five concerts in four or five Spanish cities. And the great thing about that was that my time on stage actually was very limited as I was just playing, I think, two solo pieces with the orchestra. And then in the second half of the concert, the orchestra, the orchestra would play the second half on their own. And I would always go to the nearest beach and have a night swim. And I really loved that. And yeah, there were a few here in Hamburg at the Leisele or at the Elbphilharmonie as well, which I like very much. There were a few in London in my years during my years in London um, one open air performance at the Henley Festival with um, the RPO which is one of the main London orchestras so yeah there were a few over yeah. the years which of the ones are still your favorite as a purely as a tourist I know you don't get a lot of time to explore but I'm guessing it's Spain with the chance of doing the night swims but aside from Spain which are the ones that you look back on as a tourist that you love the most I played a festival in Greece as well, mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. And after that, I had three days in Athens on my own. And I just loved that city so, so much. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed that in Athens. And I mean, I, I just went to Russia last year as well. I didn't get to see too much of the city because they sent me home because of Corona. <laughs> but I liked the city as well. Were you in Moscow? No, that was Kazan. Mm, okay, wow. Yeah. Very cool. Very they had a beautiful, big mosque, and yeah. it was really impressive being there. Throughout your career, you've been a great performer, but now you're also an instructor and you're teaching. What have you learned about violin that you wish you would have known when you started, or maybe something different that you've learned just through teaching others? That's a, that's a good question. So, um... The way that I teach is very technical sometimes. So I really like to get my students to understand the way that violin actually works mm -hmm. and not just to leave it to them to figure it out on their own because that just takes way too much time. And I wish sometimes, not from maybe age six or seven, but maybe from age, I don't know, 15, 15, 16, where you're actually capable of understanding things from a purely um, theoretical point of view. I wish that someone had just told me, listen, do not try this or try that, or do not just rely on your feelings. 
just do it this or that way because I figured this out many years ago. So I actually try to, yeah, for my students where really to save the time that I wasted somehow, you could say. So um, my teacher in London was actually the one to just tell me, listen, Johanna, just do it this or this way. I know that this works. Yeah. <laughs> and I think sometimes it's easier to just try to achieve a certain technical thing when you're just giving very clear instructions. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I can see that it works because my students um, give me that feedback all the time. What do you feel is the biggest life lesson you've learned from the last year? I know that you've had a lot of shows postponed and canceled. For you, what do you think is the biggest lesson you learned? The biggest lesson? Um, I think that it is unbelievably important to get the right balance between work and life. Because we as musicians, we tend to say that the work is our life. <laughs> but um, I don't think that applies to anyone, honestly. If the balance isn't right, then um, nothing is. So in the past, was your balance off? And, and in what ways did you change over the last year to even that out? Yeah, it was definitely off because at some point, I think I had a very arrogant view, you can say, almost, on my own resources and strengths and time management. So I just work 150% of the time. And... Yeah, I'm just trying to get a better balance right now. I'm working on that. For someone visiting Hamburg for the first time, what would be your recommendations? To definitely go see the Elbe, which is the big river mm -hmm. flowing through Hamburg. To visit the Opfelimony, which is the new concert hall, which has a public plaza that you can visit for free. To go and do a Ulster walk which is the big lake, which is actually not a lake, but a river that runs through the city as well. And to go and have a night out on the Ripperbahn, which Hamburg people call Keats. How about a food and drink recommendation as well? Good question. I think there's like a burger restaurant in Linzahuda, mm -hmm. um, which is very, very public. And... Oh, there is Franzbrötchen, which is um, a very Hamburg thing. I think it's like a, a bakery thing with cinnamon and dough and raisins sometimes. So they're very popular over here. You had me with the cinnamon, but the raisins, I don't know if I can do that. Well, you can get them with chocolate or just plain or raisins, however. How can people follow along with your career? People can follow my career on Instagram best, I think. So I'm sharing lots of my day-to-day -day life as a musician and wellness there. I share tips and tricks sometimes about playing, teaching, whatever. And I do have a homepage as well for the more serious stuff, like actual concerts, links, where people can sign up for an email, um, email newsletter as well. That'd be the two. I'm on YouTube as well, of course. Yeah. So YouTube, Instagram, homepage. And, and your homepage is what? My homepage is www.johannaberg.com. Just my name. Perfect. Just look for me on Google and it will lead you right there. Well, this, well, this was wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Right. Bye, Anna. Bye.
thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Ioana. Lots of different ways you can check her out. You can visit her website, ioannarorig.com. And be sure to follow her on Instagram. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son.